Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. And it is time for us... Those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith, Golf Magazine Top 100 Golf Instructor. And he's down there in Florida where it's nice and and cozy and and warm. And I'm in Kentucky where it's like 27 degrees. Yeah, you know, I got a complaint phone call this morning from Indiana. And it used a four-letter word. Like cold? <laughs> uh, it was more than that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was oh. snow. That's right. I, I guess life could be worse than just 25 degrees. Yeah, it could be, right? So the the snowbirds are here in Florida, mm-hmm. and of which I am now one of those <laughs> said snowbirds. Yes, have, have officially and, escaped the white stuff from up look, there. Because I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. You can't play golf in the snow. No, you can't. As a matter of fact, look, there's indoor teaching. You know, I've done that for years and Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. Right. But not like I enjoy being in the sunshine. That's true. That is true. But the good news is that for those of us who are stuck in these climbs and don't have the option to go gallivanting to the tropics whenever we damn well feel like it there is indoor golf what are you getting at there big boy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you're trying to say but i'm not sure i like the tone of it we're uh (laughs) we're we're sitting here i mean thanksgiving is done christmas is coming up which which means that we're we're in this this period of it's going to be iffy at best for many of us um, as far as playing golf, whether we get into an indoor facility or we get out on a day when the temperature spikes and it's not too wet and everything is cool. Uh, yeah. If you're in New England or Buffalo where they just got 12 feet of snow or 12 inches. Is they really? Oh, they got a whole bunch. It just dumped on them, man. And that's what it's like. You're up around Lake Erie and the Great Lakes up there. I mean, it's just, you know, it, for no reason, it just snows and you get 18, 24 inches and it, it ain't nothing. Everybody owns a snowblower. So, but what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to improve every facet of your game, because we're not going to, we're not going to pick and choose what facets, because a lot of times listeners say, you know, you keep talking about chipping. I'm great at chipping. I've got problems with X, Y, and Z. So we're going to start with X, Y, and Z, and we're just going to try to cover everything and, and we'll do it quickly and we'll do it so that, um, you know, the next time you get a chance to go out and play, you're so much more better. Yeah, there you go. So where would you like to start, Mr. Jeff? Well, I guess at the beginning, right? That's a very you good know, there's place that to whole, start. Hey, I'm putting my hands on the club mm-hmm. and uh, I have to control its movements to get it to the bottom of the golf ball because most of the shots that we ever play 
It's all sitting on the ground, so our club has to get to the bottom of it, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So that means we need to ensure that it can. So let's talk about our connection to the club. Okay. Meaning grip. Grip is is the the all right. So let's let's talk fundamental about fundamental aspect here. Yeah, it is. So let's talk about it in the most base way. Okay. Okay. We're not talking about whether your hands are turned over more or over less in this part of the conversation. Okay. We're talking about its connection, meaning you actually have control over the thing. So there's a lot of times when I give golf lessons, I see people who are trying to get something done from a ball flight perspective, but they make such terrible contact with all clubs. And the first thing I want to find out is, do they own control over the movements of their club? Or does the club wobble about in their hands? So I have them take the left hand and put it on the club. And I make sure that they have a feeling. I said, just take your normal grip, grip pressure, all that stuff, left hand only, go to the top of your swing. And then I ask him a question. Do you feel like you are completely under control of this club? Meaning if you stop, it stops. If you move, it moves. And the answer almost all the time is, no, it feels a little off. Okay. So what I do is I make sure that the club is firmly seated in their fingers. And the thumb on the left hand is actually clamping the club into their fingers. Most people don't have a good clamp, meaning okay. the thumb is, let's say, laying around doing nothing <laughs> instead oh, of actually oh. holding it. A lot so John, of times we're told that our thumb is supposed to sit on top of the grip. I know. Which doesn't it really accomplish much, top, does it? It really doesn't accomplish much. Okay. So try to imagine if you could place your thumb at, say, just off to the right side of the top. Meaning if the top, here we are talking like old people. Let's talk about an analog clock. You know, the, the whole round clock thing. Mm -hmm. 12 o'clock would be straight up in the air and 3 o'clock would be straight over to the right side. Yeah. And two o'clock would be almost a three, but not quite there. Right. What if we put the thumb at two o'clock? Okay. And we're not talking about the side of the thumb. We're talking about the absolute middle of the pad of the thumb, the little, right. that thing where you like do a thumbprint reader and it goes bloop right there, that part of your thumb at two o'clock. Okay. And after I put the club in the base of the fingers of the left hand and put the thumb, at two o'clock, I have them swing to the top of their backswing and say, does this feel any more or less secure than what it was just a moment ago? And, you know, oddly enough, darn near 100% of the time, the answer is it feels more secure, like they own control over it. Yeah, because you're I, actually pushing pushing the, the grip into the pad of your hand. Pretty much. Yeah. So it can't wobble about, let's say. And that wobbling about is not good. No, because no. then you can't land the club in the right spot. And then you can't have the club face where you really want it. And then I just have them kind of walk around, just casually swinging their arm in the club back and forth a few times. And you know what always happens is they tell me that they feel it better. And then I just tell them about, oh, yeah, we got two hands now. Let's talk about the other one. And then I have them put the right hand on 
And so many people have the, the right hand on with the thought that, oh, no, it's just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Along for the ride? No, no, I was told I don't want to do anything with my right hand. I'm like, really? You're just going to put it on there for nothing? You're not going to use it to control the club and hit the ball with? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, why don't we? I'm like, well, I thought you weren't supposed to. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Hey, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Watch what happens when you do this. So I actually have them, you know, in the position that they got their hand on, I just make sure it's connected to the club, meaning their fingers, the base of their fingers are actually touching the shaft of that club, the, the grip of that club. And they hold it. Mm-hmm. Fingers on so both hands. The fingers on both. Yeah. The base of the fingers on both hands. I'm like, boom, they're on there. I said, now just move the club around. And now I'll just, stick a T in the ground. So can you land it on that T? And they do every time. Yeah. Strange. And I said, that okay. Can so then, yeah. And then, so I'm like, okay, let's hit a couple of small shots, tip shots. And they hit a couple of them like, wow, that was easy. And that was felt good. And then I said, okay, let's make a little bigger versions of this. And then we hit pitch shots. And then we hit half swing shots. Then we hit three quarter swing shots. And then we put different clubs in their hands and they do it. And they look at me like, why did that make such a huge difference? Because you cannot have ball control if you do not have club control. Yeah. Because the club is what's telling the ball what to do. And if the so idea if we have is random contact. Yeah, yeah. If the idea is to hit the ball in the middle of the club face, you have to be able to control the club to get the middle of the club face to the ball. Yeah. Pretty much. That's the case. Yeah. So if the club's telling the ball what to do and you want some consistency in what the ball does, you probably have consistency in what the club does, in which case you better control the thing. Yes. And you can control it if you can't hold it. I know it's so in this, how do we make every part of your golf game better? Why do I start there? Because I know that if that part is sloppy and variable, Mm-hmm. and you're not sure what you're going to get, that will affect every part of your golf game. Yeah. The you touching the club and being under control of what it does thing is pretty darn important. So I will always pay attention to that. Even if we're working on something different, if that becomes a variable, we stop working on the different thing and go back to making it under control and consistent because we can't have find, that variable at all. Do you find that when you have a student whose grip is not good, is not controlling the club, that once you get that grip fixed, other elements of their game automatically improve? Oh, absolutely. They're just looking at me like, why did that work so well? Like, because you could get done what you were trying to get done and you weren't as far off with trying to get something done as what you thought. Right. So again, we've been, we've been poisoned basically by bad information. Oh, I don't know if I really want to say that yet. Um, Let's wait about a second. Okay. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> it's like you've been poisoned with bad information. <laughs> I wish I had come up with that. Yes. 
Well, we have the antidote to any poison that you may have ingested along the way of uh, of getting lessons or getting getting tips or listening to TV guys or video guys or friends or pl- playing partners or any of that stuff. The grip, fundamental, we got it covered. We're going to be back with more ways to make your game more better. Hang out. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Okay, I got to tell you, there's one thing that uh, I can't do, and that is get you one-on-one lessons with Jeff Smith for 10 bucks a month, $120 a year. I mean, he's worth a lot more than that, and yes, indeed, he charges a lot more than that. But let me tell you something that, that is worth a lot more than that, but does not charge a whole lot more than that, and that's a class at Masterclass. I'm taking a class on acting, and I'm taking it from Helen Mirren. Friends of mine are taking classes on wine appreciation. They're taking classes on how to negotiate a raise from Chris Voss, who's like the recognized expert. Whether you own a business, you're working for someone else, you're working for yourself, or you just want to learn something new, check out Masterclass for $120 a year. Have unlimited access to one-on-one classes with all 180-plus Masterclass instructors. There's new courses being added every day. You can go and you can learn something just because you want to learn something, or you can learn something to make you feel more confident in your life, in your in your business life, or in your home life. You have a friend who needs one, you need one, tell you what I'm going to do. This holiday season, you give one annual membership and you will get one free at masterclass.com slash golf guys. Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash golf guys. Masterclass.com slash golf guys. Offer terms apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And we are back. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. He is going to fix your game. He is going to do it in the next 30 minutes, and it will be painless. It is because it's radio, and you can turn it off. <laughs> it might. The information might be piercing your brain a little bit, painful, <laughs> but you can make that go away. But don't turn us off, folks. It's really not that ugly. Okay, so we, certain we, people's golf swings. Yeah, we we get we get. I was going to ask you that we get the grip down. So would the the swing be the next thing we work at? Um, the first, the the next thing I look at is alignment and ball position. Okay, because that goes directly to contact, and as in how good a contact is it possible that we even make? If the alignment and ball position are off angle enough to make bad contact, the face doesn't tell the ball what to do if anything good at all. So let's make sure that at least our body is aligned to where we want to swing the club. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And let's make sure that the golf ball is very close to the bottom of that natural swing. Because if the ball's too far away or too close to you, or it's too far forward or too far back, and the club wouldn't bottom out and thump the ground anywhere near the vicinity of that golf ball, now we have to alter our golf swings just to get to the ball. Mm -hmm. I somewhat call that 
being on a uh, uh, a fishing expedition for the golf ball. Okay. Because <laughs> it's really not going to go, the regular golf swing is really not going to go through that spot. We have to now manufacture a different angled golf swing. Got to go through different places just to go find this golf ball. So if we have a random golf ball position, we got, we got trouble. So alignment and ball position are what I'm going to check after the grip. Okay. And that doesn't matter whether it's a chip shot, a pitch shot, a bunker shot, uh, a 30 yard lob shot over the bunker. You know, I don't, I'm not thinking of it as terms of that thing being for one shot. I'm looking at it, even if it's a driver. Okay. Because I know what we're trying to accomplish. And I know that we've got real trouble if alignment and ball position are wacky. Mm-hmm. Or we got real trouble if alignment and ball position are variable from, like, let's say I'm out there on the range and I'm hitting seven irons. Okay. And one time I put the ball in one spot and the other time I put it in another spot, I got trouble. Because I'm going to recreate something different to go through a different place because the ball's in a different spot. So I like to make sure that my ball is pretty close to the same place. Okay. Now go put a different club in my hand and the club would, a natural golf swing would bottom out someplace a little different. So let's say I went longer shafted than a seven iron. Odds are really good that my natural golf swing is going to bottom out more toward the target, a little bit more forward. Okay. So, so I'll put the ball there. Okay. And it'll be just a couple inches different. It won't be a whole lot. Will it even so be let's as, say I got a, a hybrid in my hand. Right. At the most. I got a hybrid in my hand or I got a pitching wedge in my hand. So pitching wedge is going to bottom out a little bit closer to center than the seven iron is. And the seven iron is going to be a little bit closer, farther forward to the target. And the hybrid is going to bottom out a little bit farther forward to the target than the seven iron. So I only got a few inches to, to play around with here. So I'm going to find my natural ball position by finding my natural swing with whatever clubs in my hand. And I watch where that sucker lands. And next thing you know, I can find it really quickly. You know, I I've mentioned that technique to a a buddy of mine who was heading out to play golf a couple of days ago. And it came Uh to him, came to him as a revelation. He didn't even think of it, but I, I just said, listen, take a practice swing, take one slowly and watch where the head of the club hits the ground where, where it bottoms out because that yeah, is where it'll be centered to be. slightly. Yeah. It, it'll be that place that it lands. If he's making a normal, regular golf swing and not manipulating it somehow, it'll land center to slightly forward of center. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what you're going to see. And that's where the ball should be. And then it's, when it's the people see it, they go, yeah, I, yeah. I did that. Like, yeah. good. That's what you should be seeing. Yeah, but you can you can do that with every club, and you won't have to try to uh, guess where that club is going to bottom out. That's right. That's the goal, right? So the next thing we've got after alignment and ball position, let's talk alignment for two seconds. Okay. All right. I think that my body is pointed somewhere. How do I guarantee that I'm right? You use something to uh, put across your shoulders and see where it's going. Uh, that's the first thing I do. Yeah. Let's start there and let's make sure that when I do that, I'm not like twisting within my body to manipulate myself to, <laughs> to get it right. Let's just identify where the heck it is. And if it's not where I think it is, 
I need to put it where it should be and then recognize that and train my brain to say, guess what? That's what good alignment looks like. Because mm-hmm. most people have it in their head that they're always aligned to where they are and rarely are they, but yes. they always think they are. Yeah. You know, people have these things that they, you know, in golf lessons, I talk to them all the time going, are you really aimed where you think you're aimed? And they look at me like, well, of course I am. <laughs> you know, I, and then I, I show I was, them where they're actually aimed and yeah. they think, oh boy, that would explain a lot. And I'm like, yeah, it usually does. You know, because of who you are, you can get away with that. I had that instance uh, playing golf with, with the regular group and, you know, the, the excuse maker in our group, who we have mentioned many a time on the show. Yeah, um, right. You know, hit, hit it. Let's just call him John because, it, you know, just that's the. Hit, hit is, yeah, that's the generic name we use. That's the he generic hit, name we use. He hit his shot and he was like, ah, I pushed it. And after about the fifth time doing that, I said, no, that's exactly where you were aiming. That's where you were lined up to substantially right of where he thought he was lined up. So you busted his bubble. And he got very angry with me. And I'm like, hey, you know, excuse me. I'll just sit back here and mind my own business and you can go on and and keep shooting your double and triple bogeys. I don't care, you know. That's right. (laughs) But yet I get the good fortune of doing that because people are asking me for help. And that's yeah. part of the help. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's all okay. So it's just a matter of how you do it and when you do it and you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. So alignment and ball position, right? But after alignment and ball position, I'm looking for balance and posture. Okay. So why does that matter? Because if you're off balance, you got no chance to land your club where you want to land your club. This is true. Yep. It is true. So here we are making every part of the golf game better. And we started with grip and the function of that. Then we went to alignment and ball position and now we're on posture and balance. So let's talk about balance. General rule of the common word balance is as much of one thing as there is its opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so if we can think about how easy that is to have a conversation about that, we say, okay, feel certain things. Like, for example, do you feel a lot of weight on your heels and not very much on your toes? People could feel that. And I'd say, well, what if it was you got yourself into a position that you felt like things were equal between heels and toes? They go, oh, yeah, so it's more centered in the feet to the balls of the feet. I'm like, yes, it is. And so I get them to feel that right away. And then I say, okay, now just drift front to back, front to back until you feel that you're centered in that way. And then they do. And then I have them swing very fast at nothing. And every time they're balanced, heel to toe, heel to toe, about the same. They swing fast and they hold their finish and they don't come off balance afterwards. Yeah. If you start falling back after you swing the club fast, that's not a good sign. Right. As soon as there's no ball, 
and they're just there balanced, they'll stay and swing that way. Now, here's where ball position comes into play and how it wrecks balance. Because maybe, John, the the collective John, mm-hmm. not just you, John. Right, I got you. Right. Maybe you've been on a tee box at one time and or another in your in your golf life and made a practice swing and said something like, Man, that was the best swing I've made. It's just so easy <laughs> to do. Yeah. I wish I could do that when my ball's there. My brain first goes to, I want to watch what they do when the ball's down there. Do they even stand in the same posture? Or is it possible that they stood made a practice swing and then got out of their best posture and leaned out and stretched out to go get a ball because of where the ball was relative to them being perfectly in balance, but too far away from their golf ball. And then they leaned out and wrecked their posture and balance just to go get the ball. In which case the ball position screwed up their posture and balance. I said, how many times have you watched people do that? Many, many, we've got more, many, more, and, and you may be seeing yourself in this, and that's fine. That's what we're hoping for. We've got more, and we'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-6987. 800-239-6987. That's 800-239-6987. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We are back, those weekend golf guys. We got the grip down. We got your posture. We got your ball position. We got your your balance. Where yeah. we go now, man? Your brain. Uh-oh. Oh, I know. This is the tough one. We saved it for late. <laughs> <laughs> right? The easy stuff is stuff you can measure, stuff you can look at, stuff you can put on a camera. But now we got your brain. So let's talk about intent. I want you to think to yourself. How many things are you trying to think about standing over a ball? Because if it's more than one, y'all ought to rethink that. Yeah. You're messing yourself up big time if it's more than one. Yeah. Now, people say, oh, but I need a swing thought. Uh, Bet not. (laughs) If I took away the ball and just stood there and said swing, they just swing. And I asked them in in those perfectly balanced golf swings when their posture was great, 
and there was no ball there to screw that whole thing up and no target involved. So there was no constraints on the brain. Did they actually have any swing thoughts or they were just standing there swinging? And the answer is, no, it was just swinging. Yeah. All right. So if your grip's good and your posture's good and your alignment's good and your ball position's good and you control the club and you can smack the ground at a certain place, what's there to think about? And my answer is the target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Some people like to think about shot shapes. I do that at setup. Some people like to think about trajectories. I do that setup in my routine. And I'll put in, all right, I want a low one on target or a high one on target, or I want to hit a high draw. I want to hit a high cut. All right, fine. But that's one thought. High cut to the target. Yeah. Okay. But my brain is on where my ball is going to wind up. Not how I'm going to move my body. Okay. That's what people say they need. Oh, no, I need a swing thought. Bet not. And thought, if you have one, all right. But that's a singular word, not plural. Yeah. yeah. People start sticking things in their head that shouldn't be in there, and they do it a lot. So, uh, John, give me some ideas of what you think in your head. You, the singular you, not the collective you that we're talking about. Um, Things that I think of, yeah, uh, I I don't really. I I have a routine that you you have worked with me on developing, yeah. And and the last thing that goes through my head is okay, good, and that's it. And then I, I swing. All right, roll. Yeah, yeah. So I have one, and it's it's there. And and I somewhat am mentally pointing at my target. Okay. I'm not doing the Babe Ruth point the club at the target thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing that in my mind though. Yeah. In my head. Yeah. Mine says hit it there. It doesn't say don't hit it in the water and no. don't hit it in the bunker. It doesn't say don't hit it where the alligators are gonna bite my ankles off. It no. doesn't say don't anything. It does not. Yes. It says Hit it there. It's amazing how simple that little thing can be and how successful you can be because of that simplicity. Blows my mind. It's amazing what happens when the mind tells you what you're going to do, how closely you can get that done. Mm -hmm. People are not believing me when I tell them about it. They're like, is that some Jedi mind trick? I'm like, nope, I'm not a Jedi, but it is a mind trick. It is. <laughs> these but are not the droids is. you're looking for. No, these are not the droids you're looking for. And I <laughs> wave my hand across. <laughs> you're exactly right. No, I don't have to do stuff like that. But I am telling myself what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's always what I wanted to happen. Instead of saying what, what kind of death or destruction could befall me, I don't do that to myself. I'm not interested in making myself upset and screwing myself up. Yeah. Plus, all. we have we have proven repeatedly, and we have gotten it from experts after expert that the brain doesn't understand negatives. It doesn't understand no. don't. It does so not. You have to be positive in your approach, or you're going to mess yourself up big time. 
Correct. Now, as you think about things on the golf course, I think about in my thoughts and my preparations for the shot, whatever the shot is, a pitch over a bunker, you know, a chip shot next to the hole, a high, well-struck eight iron, all of these things, I am preparing for it in my routine. Mm -hmm. I'm deciding when I choose the club in my bag. And then when it's time to hit the shot, it's just time to hit the shot. Right. What it's not doing at all is it's not second guessing anything. It's not looking at the last thing I see and go, oh, that's water over there. Don't go over there. I don't do those things. And the last thing that I look at is my target because I, like most golfers, have a strong habit of hitting it to the last thing we see. (laughs) So let's say that you've got a bunker shot on one side of the green and on the other side of the green is water. You better not look at the water. Don't be looking at the water. No, sir. Because there's a distinct possibility at that moment that you have now butchered your game. Don't let your mind be a weapon used against you. Use it for good, not evil. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so easy because you are in total control of your mind, or you should be at least. Should be. Yeah. A lot of people act like they are. They're really not. Yeah. Careful with what you wish for. Just might get it. Yeah. So let's make sure about the things that we can do to make your whole golf game better. I talked about the physical. Then when we started to address the not physical, the mental. But we also ought to address in the next minute or so the emotional part of the game. Okay. All right. So are we talking about weeping and crying? Hopefully not. No. (laughs) Are we talking about anger and frustration? No. Probably. Probably talking about that. (laughs) Right? But usually the emotional game is the thing that's far more damaging to our game than the cognitive mental decision-making game because it ruins the cognitive mental decision-making game because you're honked off because things did not go as planned. Yeah. So for example, you made the mistake of looking up at that water on the other side of the green from the bunker you're hitting and you couldn't turn that off. And then all of a sudden you hit it a little too hard, might get a little thinny out of that bunker. And all of a sudden fish are jumping on the other side (laughs) and you've got no more Titleist in your bag. Yeah. So you're honked off. And then all of a sudden you can't stop from being honked off. And then you make a decision based on you being honked off and bad things happen from there. Yep. So many times you do something and the reaction to what you do is the real detrimental piece. I'm not talking about throwing clubs. It's just kind of, you, you 
it's probably not a good idea anyway, because most people really have such poor technique in throwing clubs. It's not even funny. We should get, <laughs> we'll just do a whole show on that. Okay. But the point here is, is that the damaging part isn't the club throw. It, it's the, I expected too much of myself and I'm too hard on myself when I don't get what I expect. Mm-hmm. If your expectations are out of whack with your level of talent slash work ethic, then you have a perspective problem. If you're demanding X of yourself and there's no way you could produce X, all you're going to do is make yourself mad. That is damaging to your game. I heard somebody put it somewhat about getting upset because the results you're expecting didn't happen because you didn't put in the work to get to where you wanted to be. Uh-huh. So, I've told people on m- numerous occasions, you're not good enough to be this mad. <laughs> <laughs> now, granted, <laughs> these people I've said it to, I already have a well-established relationship with. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> right? Yeah. But they do need to understand that when you're more angry than your level of practice or level of skill should get you there, then all you're doing is placing a higher demand on yourself than what you can ever produce. And then you're just like you're in, you just sunk your ship altogether. Talk a little bit more about emotions and a few other things uh, and wrap it all up and make your your next round much better when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Hang out. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-441-9109. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-441-9109. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-441-9109 to donate your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts. And we are back yet again. I am John Ashton. He is Golf Magazine Top 100 Golf Instructor, Jeff Smith. He's been fixing everything. But conspicuous by its absence is one major element of the game, man. Yeah. You know, we're we're talking about some basic stuff that helps everybody with every shot. And now we kind of got to talk about how to get the ball in the hole, don't we? Mm Mm-hmm. That is kind of the, uh, the whole idea behind this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's just talk about on and around the green, you know, that whole place where people love to ignore mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they practice, mm-hmm. you know, cause they go, ah, that's ah, just the easy part. And yet they don't do it very well. Mm-hmm. 
Apparently, it must be just so easy that they get lulled to sleep and they just don't do anything about it. So there's this whole concept of let's talk short shots going on to the green before we talk about the putting the ball in the hole bit. Okay. So there's choices to be made when your ball is not on the green. And some people like to say, mostly it's the old school guys. Uh, it's better to hit a low running shot to the hole than it is to fly it closer to the hole. And the younger crowd likes to fly it closer to the hole and stop it. Whether or not they know how to stop it or not. Yeah, that's right. There's a couple <laughs> things going on there, right? Both of those thought processes have to have skill sets that actually work to make it work. And they also have to have like the kind of shot that you, you actually own the kind of shot for what the one you have to hit. Because, you know, maybe... All these guys who say, ah, let's get the ball on the green and running. What if they got to go up in the air and over something like the corner of a bunker or the entire bunker, mm -hmm. or they just got to go up in the air because it actually pin is close to them. And that whole get the ball on the green and let it run really doesn't stay put when it yeah. needs to stay put. Right. 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 The other end of that is what about the guys who like to fly it most of the way there and get it to stop? Well, you better be good at making it stop. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you just fly it there and it runs after that, you're kind of an idiot. hate to say that, but if your whole thought process is, I'm going to fly this close to the hole and make it stop, you better be good at making it stop. Exactly. The, the making it stop thing is is kind of a twofold thing. First, it's got to have trajectory to help it. So it's got to go you know, up in the air and landing more, you know, more of a vertical landing than it is a horizontal landing. Meaning it's in the air kind of high and it's kind of like dropping down on the green without a lot of forward on it, right? And then it's got to have some spin. And this is the one where everybody goes, yep, I'm good at that. And you know what? No, you're not. And that whole spin thing kind of comes from how you hit it and the ball you play. You know, you got to hit it with a bunch of loft on the face and the face has to be moving downward. And clean. Yeah, because you can't have a lot of junk in between, you know, like wet junk, mm -hmm. you know, between the face and the ball. Yeah, that, that doesn't spin because there's no friction. So you got to kind of have some elements going on here. So if you learn how to stop it, then all of a sudden you can use that shot that you fly closer to the hole because then you can stop it. But before you play that way, you probably ought to learn how to stop it. Be a good idea. Yeah. You're not getting better. You're just thinking you're getting better, but you're not really getting better. Mm-hmm. Let's be careful with what we're doing here, folks. Then you get on the green. Hmm, what's going to happen to my ball? And how do I get it to go in the hole? So why not figure it out? Like, for example, green reading, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I'd better find a way that I can predict what's going to happen to my ball as it rolls along this tilted, curvy surface so it can stop toward the hole. And some people... They just squat down and take a look and, you know, cock their head sideways. <laughs> Make it look like they know what they're doing. Cup yeah. their hands around their eyes, you know, to <laughs> shield them from the sun. And they think they can do that pretty well. And because I see the guys on TV doing that, you know. <laughs> then you got the guys who will go around the back side of the putt, go from, you know, the other side to go, hmm, what's it look like from back here? And you never know what they're going to get. But then you see these guys also on TV that they take a walk. They stop along the way, somewhere between their ball and the hole, they're stopping a couple, three times. Kind of standing there, kind of, and then, you, and then all of a sudden they walk back behind their ball and they kind of put up a couple of fingers and kind of estimate where they're going to go and they hit the ball there and they're pretty good at that. 
So you're thinking somehow, some way you got to figure this out. Otherwise it's just guesswork. Right. And I've seen an awful lot of golfers who are guessing. Yeah. And they ain't good. (laughs) They're not any good. (laughs) So I think once you find your process, that's actually pretty good. You might want to hone in on that a little bit. How do you do it, John? Uh, since, since I've, uh, been studying at your knees, um, I, I walk, I look straight ahead and I walk from my ball to the hole hmm. feeling, feeling what happens underneath my feet without it's looking a good idea, at right? my feet. Do you ever, when you used to look at it with your eyes, right mm-hmm. before you start doing it the way that, that I kind of recommend, or I'm not really kind of recommend, I just, I just do recommend it. Um, <laughs> you know. He, he insists it, on it, actually. I, yeah, it's kind of one of those, right? Um, do, did you feel like when you were, you know, kind of eyeballing things that your eyes were playing tricks on you or that you got it right or that you got it wrong more often than not? What do you what do you think uh, was going on there? It is total optical illusions or optical delusions, however you want to look at it. I mean, you can look delusions. Yeah, you you can look at a putt and you can swear that it's going to break left to right. Hit the ball; it'll break right to left. You can swear that it's uphill and it's actually downhill. You know, your eyes play tricks on you all the time. And all that kind of swearing that you're talking about doesn't it really kind of make you swear? (laughs) It does indeed. Yes, (laughs) a thought. Yeah, I used to do that too. And I swore a lot, you know, and, and I, I was kind of loud about it, you know, mm-hmm. cause everybody does, you know, loud enough for the, the other three guys to hear you. And, and they kind of look at you like, yeah, I know what you mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, I'm not swearing a lot since I'm walking. Yeah. I know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I'm like a really good predictor of what's going to happen to my ball on the green. Actually, you don't even have to predict because you just felt what's going to happen to your ball on the green. No, that's the whole thing. I know what's coming. Yeah. You know, it's going to roll across this tilt. And it's going to make it go that way. And it's going to roll across that other tilt. It's going to make it go the other way. And I even got a handle on how much. Yeah. And that gives me an idea how how far I got to play it away from the hole. So it pushes it back toward the hole. Yep. Like, well, this is a pretty good idea. So I think that when, you know, we part of these elements of, you know, making you better as a golfer, this is a big one, you know, and then there's that, I got to learn to hit the ball, the right speed when you're chipping and putting, mm-hmm. right? Because the whole goal is to have the thing stopping right at the hole, right? I mean, it's obvious, but there's so many people so involved in technique that they forget about the fact that it really is less about the technique and it's more about Can I hit it the right distance? And I think you have beaten it into my head that the only way to really get that down is to do it repeatedly. I hate to use the word practice. I know you do. But we can use it. It's apropos in this situation. Yeah. It's it's a repeated motion until you get the feel for for the speed of the green. And you can do that each and every time you you go out to a different golf course or, or to the same golf course each and every time you go a different day. 
you know, when you do these things, and and this is where where we've talked on the show a bunch, but there's some really big issues here that people are really not doing enough of. And learning to hit the ball the right distance around the greens is a big deal. Yeah. There's so many of them that just can't seem to get it there or they just blow it by almost all the time. So I think that one of the things that everybody ought to be focusing in on here is less on technique, but if you have club control, even on these short shots, you have landing spot of your club control, which means you can strike the ball cleaner and better get more consistently, which then helps you hit it kind of in the same place on the club which means that you can kind of predict how far you can hit a ball. Yeah. And that can, part makes the big deal. If you can predict like, where it's going and how hard it's going to, or how fast it's going to move. Yeah. Then you've got 40% of your game licked. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Right. So we have fixed it. <laughs> and, and we'll see from, from, from the T to the green, just, Listen to this a few times, all right, repeatedly. Put it on Put it on repeat and just take it with you. Walk around for a while. It's a little too cold here to play now, but there, there are places you can go. And, yeah, like uh, where I am. Yeah, just go down and see Jeff. Yeah. Play a little bit, practice a little bit, and yeah. just get the hang of it, okay? Yeah, come on and, down to uh, Naples. I'm here. And you'll find that uh, whether it's next week, next month, next season, whenever it is, that uh, you just pay attention to what he's told you today and your game will improve substantially the next time you go out and play some golf. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.